listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. Welcome back to another episode of the Scoreboard Addicts Podcast. I'm Nick, and with me, as always, is TJ, who is hammered. Anthony still got the Rona. Corona. Yeah, like coronavirus is making a permanent residence in that guy's house. Seriously, I mean, I understand he made a a recent move to his domicile, but I didn't realize he ended up in Wuhan, China. But maybe he's being funded by our president, so who knows? Oh, look out! Not only did he, not only did he make a move, apparently coronavirus moves with him. <laughs> he brought it back <laughs> to the nation of China. If ever like corona, coronavirus is like having a resurgence, specifically in his house, it reminds me of the, all those WWE things back in the day, like in in your house. That's uh, that's pretty much Rook's in Rook's house. In Rook's house. This is in Rook's house. On Sunday, 9 p.m., coronavirus live in Rook's house. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> live at Rook's house. Coronavirus. The Rock. <laughs> coronavirus in your house. Oh, dear God. Well, at least he's doing well. That's the good news. He's doing well. His family's doing well. So we get to make fun of him for it. Yeah. If he was like struggling right now, we couldn't make fun of him. But I'm, I, he's doing doing fine. I would say he's doing just fine. Yeah. yeah. He's all right. Uh, he'll live. He, he'll, he will live. I don't know. So speaking I, of doing fine, Nick, speaking of doing absolutely fine, was that your house phone ringing? Right. Do you have you weird. still have a house phone? <laughs> yeah, I, I use it for to um I, <laughs> that was my house phone. Yeah, weird, right? You what do you use it for? Those 900 numbers at night? Uh, I use it for um what's it called? Uh uh profiling purposes. <laughs> I got it. Gotcha. I, I mean I, I would have liked it if you would have answered it live on camera. Maybe it have been Rook, like, what's your favorite scary movie? No, it would have been somebody dope. asking me. It, it it really would have been somebody asking me like, "Hey, what is uh, uh is your property in 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 Florida for sale?" I'm glad I have you. I'm watching you. I need to tell you, you need a new car warranty. It's like, oh, son of a bitch, <laughs> got me again. So Matt from our sister's show, The Wrestling Addicts, uh, he just sent me a text saying, you're kind of low. My response is going to be, you're just really high. <laughs> Which when talking about that, I'm not necessarily wrong, you know? Like, I, definitely not. I, I actually cranked up my volume on my uh, headset, so I thought it was just me. I guess I guess it isn't. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm cranking up some stuff around here. I mean, I don't know. Did, did it get any louder in the last, I, like, minutes? I don't know. 
Next, Matt. Matt, Matt, is it louder? Matt, watch Nick crank it and see if that works for you. Matt said he's not wrong about him being really high. Or about him watching you crank it. Matt said, yeah, it's better now. Thank you, Matt. Always a, a valued customer. Um, couple things. Because uh, I don't, you know, I, I sometimes I got to bring it up. I got to bring it up. Um, even though TJ hates when I bring these things up. But uh, the wrestling world experienced a loss this week with the passing of uh, Jay Briscoe. He, uh, he passed uh, this week unexpectedly um, and uh, thoughts and prayers out to his family and the wrestling community that misses him. Yeah. I, uh, it's funny. The way I found out about uh, Briscoe's passing was, I mean, Twitter, obviously I use Twitter a lot just to get my you know news because it, it's up to the minute. It's probably the best avenue for, current news whatever's going on that day that moment it, it's very up to date and to the minute uh you obviously have to you know sort through some crap because there's a lot of nonsense on twitter but yeah. the the weird thing is about briscoe's passing was the things that came up in my twitter feed were all just people bashing him like the guy just died and you take that opportunity to bash him like one dude said like uh Somebody tell white people they're not allowed to use rest in power. Like, um, okay, that's the way you want to go. I mean, listen, if you have nothing better to do in life than to just throw erroneous things out there and make it racial, good for you. You're an idiot. And then somebody else is like, ah, oh, dude, he's a, a bigot, misogynist, blah, 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 good riddance. It's like, seriously. I don't like, but I'll never say like, I'll never sit there while people are mourning you and then try to jump in and be like, ha ha, good riddance. Now, now you're worm food. Like, it doesn't matter how much I dislike you. Like, un unless you did something personally to my family, you know what I mean? Try to hurt somebody in my family. I, there's no, there would never be animosity to somebody that I may not agree with or have, you know, some kind of dislike towards. I did never in my a million years would I then try to go out there and put something that negative out there. To obviously, there's fans, family, friends mourning this person. Like they're seeing that. Yeah, like, you're 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 a piece of crap. That's hard. The other thing is, like with wrestling specifically, often more often than not, you don't really know that person. Like mm -mm. Even their image that you thought you knew. Like you you know you'll see an right. athlete on TV and they're a jerk on TV. Right. But more often than not, and and sometimes honestly, an athlete if they're a jerk on TV, they're more often than not they're a jerk in life. Um, whereas wrestling couldn't be more opposite. Like, Oh, absolutely. You know, like from, from what I'm, I'm told, like Shawn Michaels, whenever you went to go meet him someplace in the nineties, it's a great guy, but that's not who Shawn Michaels was. Ask anybody that worked with him in the nineties. He was not a good dude. And I love Shawn Michaels, you know, but let's be real. Call a spade a spade. He was a jerk. He was a real jerk. See, he tried to hurt. Me. And the funny thing is, and the ones I, uh, when I was a kid, especially the wrestlers, I enjoyed meeting the most were the wrestlers that stayed in character. But in a way where you knew, like, I, you're getting your money's worth out of me. I'm not being a dick. I'm giving you exactly what you want. I'm being I'm being the person that you want me to be, that you see me to be. And I, I'm not getting paid right now, you know, meeting you. And I'm still going to put the show on for you because that's 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 what it's about. 
Like, and I respect it. I always respected that dude. Like, The Undertaker. Me and my cousin Brian met The Undertaker after a house show. I did. Got a picture with him. I got I to find my old pictures, dude. Um, Gorilla Monsoon, uh, One Two Three Kid, you know, X-Pac. Don't stop. Don't even get me started with fucking Sean Walton. <laughs> uh, a bunch of people. But, yeah, uh, one of the people that we got to take a picture with was The Undertaker. And... Dude, he, I, maybe nine years old, me and my cousin Brian, and he just grabbed the top of our heads and just rolled his eyes in the back of the head, didn't say shit to us, and just like walked away slowly staring at us. It was like, oh my God, like that just fucking happened. Like that's awesome. Yeah. But, uh, you know, MJF right now, uh, Maxwell Jacob Friedman, he's probably one of the few guys that stays in character all day, every day. Um, and you know what? It's refreshing to see, but you're right. And, and anybody who's sitting there saying bad things about Jay Briscoe after his passing is like, all right, you're a, you're a loser. Let yeah. the guy rest in peace. Um, and B, I mean, you're, you're basing this off of what your personal interactions with the guy or the hearsay of somebody else that right. probably it's in their best interest to see him fall or a character that he portrays that you don't actually know. He's a, it's not a, the undertaker is not really dead. I don't know. If everybody knows this. His real name is Mark. Uh, Callaway and he's a normal dude and he's, he's got kids and you know a wife and 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 like it's not he just, will kick your ass though I mean that's not fake yeah, but 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 he's not walking <laughs> the godfather is not an actual pimp <laughs> as much as I might want him to be he doesn't operate a whole train not he i mean he does kind of because he used to own a strip club he doesn't own it anymore but he used to own a strip yeah club. but see those aren't hoes those are working girls man they're out there making a living and I respect them fair enough and and you know what? <laughs> I don't know that. But Charles Wright, that the man Charles Wright is a married dude who listens to country music and and fucking was in a biker gang and shit like that. He is not yeah. the godfather listening to like and dancing with girls and he, he that's the character that he plays on TV, you know. And and there are some guys who just can't separate the character from their actual life, like Mike Tyson, for instance. Mike Tyson, if you read right. anything about him. Mike Tyson back in the early nineties was publicly a jerk, but privately very insecure, but right. his public persona was a persona he put together to like kind of threaten and, and intimidate his opponent. But that's not who he was as a, it human. worked though. I mean, it, it worked, worked. It, but it hurt him too. Cause when, Oh no, of course. And it, it leaked into his regular life. I mean, but I think the best example is uh Kane. Kane is an elected official. He's a fucking mayor. Yeah. Jesse Scotty Ventura was a governor of Minnesota. Yep. Minnesota. Minnesota. Actually, you know what? Jesse the Body Ventura. Like, if you look at his career in the WWF and WWE and then go down that line, uh, the WWF uh, being a professional wrestler was like the normal part of his life because he just went down a rabbit hole of conspiracy theories. They're putting it in the water. I'll They're right awesome. I, I, <laughs> I used to love watching his show. Uh, I believe it was on either the history channel or science channel, something ridiculous. And the outlandish shit that man would say, and in just a dead serious tone and not goofing around where you can just tell everybody around him is like, this guy doesn't realize we're putting a show together about like how he's crazy and not about the actual conspiracy theories. Cause the only thing he's debunking is the fact that maybe these guys really should have their heads looked at and not take care of shots repeatedly. <laughs> so, Honestly, I lost a lot of respect for Jesse Ventura. Um, you know, when he went after Chris Kyle, when he after when he went after Chris Carroll's wife, 
Like it's one thing so, for you to have a beef publicly with Chris Kyle. Once Chris Kyle died, right? Once he once he died, drop the lawsuit. Like he, he's he, dead. He so su- supposedly what ended up happening, at least the last that I read and what I've seen him address is essentially he wanted to disprove what Chris Kyle said about him. I believe he said that he punched him in the face, uh, that he Jesse, the body uh, was kind of like ragging on the flag at a soldier's funeral and they got into an altercation and Chris Kyle said he punched him in the face and Jesse, the body Ventura kind of, if I remember right, it wasn't at a soldier's funeral. They were at a bar after a funeral after. Right. And, and, and Jesse, the body Ventura made sideways remarks about current serving members versus his generation of buds versus today's, of seals listen and, n- none of us were there none yeah. none of us know and i mean a lawsuit is frivolous because if you don't have proof one way or the other i mean the only person that has to actually prove it would be chris kyle and he wasn't even there to represent himself so jesse the body eventually won that lawsuit but he never i i believe uh he never took any damages from that he never actually cashed any you know took anything from that lawsuit because he kind of came out and said the last thing i want to do is take money from a service member, you know, that passed away and or his family. But he essentially, you know, the point that he pursued it was to prove that he wasn't full of shit. You know what, though? It, 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 he is full of shit, though, because ask our friend Rook, if you can ever get him on the show, they still had to pay the lawyer. <laughs> they yes. still had to, uh, still had to pay a lawyer. Right. You know, so like, you, you, oh, good, nice for you. You, you, didn't, you didn't take the money, but you made them spend a shit ton of money. Yeah, listen, it was a shitty situation. I mean, uh, I can't sit here and say who's right, who's wrong. Uh, the only thing I could do is fully support Chris Kyle and his family and his uh, wife. Uh, right now, Jesse the Body Ventura, once Chris Kyle died, Jesse the Body Ventura was wrong. It's it one definitely thing, seems that way. Dude, it's like the mafia. It's one thing to kill the guy, don't go after his family. Mm. Leave his family be. He's gone already. What What benefit? All it did was make him look bad. Even if he would have made the money, he'd have been a rich asshole with money that everybody hated, especially in the he veterans. He has team. money. Oh, yeah. Listen, the- I I think, I, listen, I think that that guy definitely got knocked down several pegs because of that situation. I mean, yeah, but again, yeah, we don't know what happened. We don't know what's true or not. The only thing I could do is sit here and offer support for, you know, Chris Kyle's family. And yes, I mean, everything that man did, just a legend, a legend. He had to do a reality show about conspiracy theories. That's how far he fell. Of being governor of Minnesota. Like <laughs> Minnesota's not cold. It's a conspiracy. It's actually a beach town. It's like it's like uh it's it's like uh Steven Seagal. Yeah, you know, like how far has he Steven fallen? Seagal? Dude, you, you remember like being a kid in the 90s, right? And obviously Steven Seagal's heyday was the mid to late 80s into the beginning of the 90s. So we yeah. still caught like a lot of those TNT. Uh, movies, you know, on the weekend or something like that, or TBS, a Steven Seagal flick. And it was like he was still in his heyday of like an action superstar for the time and, you know, that kind of category or parody of that category of action superstar. And then like just as the years went on, Steven Seagal is just a parody of himself at this point. Like he's just, you know what I mean? Like he's kind of like how, Everybody goofed on Elvis towards the end of Elvis's life, walking around saying he's an eighth degree black belt and just like huh, 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 on stage and shit and shooting TVs or whatever in Vegas. Like, yeah. 
Steven Seagal became that times 10, but never had the times 10 star magnitude like Elvis did. You know, like Elvis can get away with that shit. If Elvis walked into my house right now, I was like, huh, what's up? I'm going to kick you in the face. I'd be like, all right, King, you got to do what you got to do, man. If Steven Seagal did that shit, I'd be like, dude, get the fuck out of here. At the end of the day, Elvis is still called the king. He is the king. You know, I don't think Steven Seagal was ever the king of anything. No, not at all. But he did have that TV show, Lawman, where he was like, he's showing like cops that are much younger and much better shape. Like, this is how you take down a suspect. You want to grab him by the ear and look immediately incapacitated. Huh? He goes right down. And they're just like, can we get this fucking guy away from us, please? He's going to get us hurt. He shot you three times. <laughs> look, he ineffective. I can block the bullets with this hand right here. Even though I've heard multiple people say and vouch for him that Steven Seagal is a master of Aikido, it's just essentially it's Aikido. So you take it for what it's worth. Aikido's You're not going out there like, you know, taking guns off people. Like, I, I'm going to put a stop to this. Uh, he's dead. Aikido is the most deadly martial art, except that nobody's – Everybody's against using it to kill. So nobody's proven that it's actually in fact dead. Like having a car uh, on water, but I can't show you because the government will come get me. Runs on water, man. I got it. It runs on water, man. All right, but we've gone down a rabbit hole. Here we go. Let's just. Keep I thought we better start talking about Krav Maga. Well, <laughs> dance fighting. Uh, that's not Krav Maga. Krav Maga is Israeli. Like, oh, you're people. right. What's dance fighting? Uh, you're thinking of Eddie Gordo doing friggin' uh, uh, damn it, what's it called? It's the Brazilian one, uh, Capoeira. Well, good call, good call, good call. <laughs> Hit it, come on. I tried to, I don't know what's going on right now. Oh my god, we're delayed developmentally, especially. What is going on? That's weird, man. We broke the soundboard. Apparently, uh, now I'm now I'm a little bit concerned about its welfare. You know what is my software? <laughs> it's not good. Well, while Nick figures that out, we'll go down the rabbit hole of excellence and sports news. Uh, first and foremost, I guess I'll take the helm with this one. Live Golf gets a TV uh, sponsor, essentially a TV contract deal. Live Golf will now be on the CW. Uh, yeah, listen, I, I get it. I get it. CW is where. Essentially, uh, DC shows go to die and get all high schooly, but it's still the CW is a very reputable network. Uh, Live Golf will be on Saturdays and Sundays on CW, so right there to p- compete with the PGA Tour, whether it's you know on CBS or NBC or whoever ha- happens to be carrying it at the time. But it's good to see that. Not that I had a problem; I had no issue watching it on YouTube. A lot of people complained about watching it on YouTube, as if I mean, I guess if you don't have a smart TV, but almost every Everybody's TV in their house in America right now can stream YouTube in 4K. Oftentimes, it's much better. I, I mean, because I know uh, what I have from BIOS isn't true 4K. I can stream true 4K through YouTube. So I had no, no problem watching Live Golf on YouTube. But they got their contract deal through CW, so you'll be able to watch it a lot easier on your television and follow along. Um, I love what they're doing. I love the strides that they're making. I love how they're still here after a year and kind of disproving all the haters and all the PGA bandwagon guys who wanted to see this thing collapse and fold. I, I'm a big proponent of more golf is always Good better call. for golf. So there you go. You got it up and running. There it is. Sorry. 
So I'm excited. I'm I'm happy to watch it on TV, and I look forward to this season. Hopefully, they have another tournament in our area. They didn't finish releasing the entire schedule yet, I don't believe. So maybe we'll get lucky and find something in the tri-state area to go attend again because that was an epic time. Yeah, that's a big deal, the the live golf. And you know what? The CW hasn't had live sports in quite a while. I think the last time Mm -hmm. they had live sports was uh, baseball. They had either the Mets or the Yankees for a little bit. Um, So, you know, it's nice to see that. You know they they got a contract back and they're gonna get some live sports. I just think it's weird to see golf on any channel but like four and two, maybe seven a little bit. No, I, listen, I agree with you. Um, I mean, it's I generally, I mean, I watch most of my golf on the Golf Channel. Uh, if you don't catch it live, so if I'm not, ha- I happen to not be watching Channel Two or Channel Four. Um, you know, like this this year during the football season, wasn't watching much golf because I mean it's coincided with football. We're watching football, but. Catching replays during the week or even after the fact, just to you know watch highlights. I was watching the Golf Channel, but it, it's always good to have that option to be able to watch it on TV. Um, I, did you see what they're doing with Fridays? Is Friday still going to be uh, live streamed on YouTube? I, I didn't see. Nobody didn't, really addressed it in the articles I read. No, I, I didn't catch that. Uh, you know what I think? I think hockey. Not hockey. Wow, I'm, I'm staring at the Rangers for a split second. But uh, golf. Golf's an old man sport, and to see in like Channel Two and Channel Four, are old man channels. <laughs> uh, like CW is supposed to be like the young, like Fox and the CW is supposed to be like young people channels, like just based on the television that they're trying to 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 show you. You know what I mean? Like that's not true though. That's not true. They just announced for the spring lineup, Murder She Wrote, starring Drake. <laughs> His name's not Drake. It's Wheelchair Jimmy. And I don't know. My sound, my soundboard just told me just good call. It, it just play all now. <laughs> it, it, well, I mean, listen, it's it's not actually Drake. It's just Drake voicing over Angela Lansbury. So should be good. Did Angela Lansbury just die? Did she? I think no, so. No, that had to be years ago. Oh, I'm sorry. That was Barbara Walters. My bad. Barbara Walters. Is, I mean, not all, all old white people are the same, Nick. Angela Jesus. Lansbury is still alive, dude. She is she? Just, she was in this movie I just saw the other day. She's Oh, she's no way. Onion. Was she? Oh, my bad. Angela Lansbury died in October. Ah, come on, man. You get my hopes up. She's in the Glass Onion, though. I was to say, Mrs. Potts is still kicking. I'm pretty sure she's in the Glass Onion, because I just watched the Glass Onion the, uh, the other day, and I was like, is that Angela Lansbury? Playing I heard of Blue Goats. I heard that movie sucked. She No, it was good. Yeah, I, d- d- compared to Knives Out, I, I, everybody was like, it sucks compared to Knives Out. I mean, I, I like, come on, man. That's... That's, I mean, Knives Out was great. I, the only thing I didn't like about the Glass Onion is that the characters are un, are not likable. Like, there's no character where you're like, I like this character. Gotcha. Most of the characters are like, they all seem like shitty people. So, I mean, that, that make for me at least, that's that's a uh, that's that's one of those things. And I finally figured out what the issue is here. I don't know what, what's going on. With Denied. There it is. Starting to get it. Starting to get it. Um, here we go. But yeah, I'm pretty sure Angela Lansbury was in like the first five minutes of it. Of, okay. uh, of the glass. So, yeah, good luck replacing her wheelchair, Jimmy. I've been watching a lot of Degrassi lately. As we discussed last I'm Telling week. you right now, in six months, if they fucking do a Drake murder, she wrote. I'm suing somebody, and I'm going to put Rook to work. Not that he has anything better to do. He doesn't come in on our own show, but. <laughs> he's going to start taking this. Uh, uh, he's going to be uh, start being offended. And I don't mean. He's not like, allowed to be offended. 
I don't mean like Matt when Matt's offended. I mean like really. <laughs> Matt still owes us a chip. Yeah, yeah. But uh, the uh, moving forward from for other sports, uh, so golf's all set. You know, uh, Live Golf's now on on the CW. Yep. It just sounds weird to say out loud. It is odd. But you know what? We also have uh, the Netflix show, uh, the golf about the PGA Tour, and then kind of right in their mouths, they had to deal with the introduction of Live Golf and setting that whole uh, drama up. And many of the players that they contracted to do this Netflix show ended up moving over to Live Golf. So I'm very excited to watch that. That's coming up in February. So that's going to be absolutely awesome and set up the golf season perfectly, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, moving on to, uh, I guess, the NFL. NFL season, there's – it's the it's the uh, as they call it uh, the coaching carousel, right? Yeah, big time. And a lot of changes are, um, are are going on right now. A lot of offensive coordinators getting fired. So, what do you think uh, about the little floor situation and um, Elijah Moore essentially getting to- uh, people uh, reporting that he went up to the floor and told him that he straight out sucked. Yeah, he said, go fuck yourself, and you suck. In the middle of practice, screamed it at him. Now, listen, I don't... It might th- be true. Listen, it might be true. You can't do that. You, that's, that well, is not allowed. Well, so here's my deal, right? Like, even if that's how you feel and you can speak your mind, I guess that's... If you're talking about being able to speak, speak your mind, uh, I think there's more mature ways to handle it because you're an adult. And going up to your boss and go, saying, go fuck yourself at any other job in the world will get you fired. Oh, big time. Uh, uh, I think in, in this case, a lot of people are sitting there saying like, well, you know, in this instance, Elijah Moore was justified. Like, we, we, Basically, there were a lot of people looking at the situation going, well, he, we vilified him earlier in the year for causing a disturbance on the team. But based on the fact that LaFleur got fired. Uh, it looks like his 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 outburst was justified. I got news for you. It wasn't. It wasn't. It's, it's, that's, a that's a slippery slope, dude. Just because, I mean, let's put it this way. Everybody knew people were getting fired after the season collapsed, essentially, is what we witnessed. Uh, yep. Sal is not going to allow it to be him, so it's got to be people under him. What was the uh, issue? It was the offense. So we knew who was getting fired, whether he did a good job, whether it's on him or not, that's – it doesn't matter. Somebody's going to be the scapegoat, and when your offense struggles and the head coach isn't going to take responsibility for it and get shit-canned, the offensive coordinator's getting shit-canned. And regardless... I disagree with you there just because it, it was LaFleur's fault. It was, flat out. You know, it, it was one of those things when we hired I, the guy, sat there and looked at it, and we were like, oh, good. He comes from a Shanahan coaching tree. His brother's doing good things in Green Bay. He's a young guy. He's energetic. The only problem is, is that he didn't feel it was his job to teach his quarterback how to play quarterback in the NFL. And from what came out today was he was bad mouthing Zach Wilson to other people in the organization. And it's like, right, which is a shitty thing. As a, leader, as a leader, when you have somebody that has less time on the job than you, or it's your job to make sure they look wet, look good when they fail. Right. You don't sit there and go and gloat and like, oh, this guy sucks. Your job is to make him right. look good. So if he doesn't look good, you need to take response. You know, we we talked about how like, oh, Zach Wilson needs to take accountability for when he plays poorly. Absolutely right, but the offensive coordinator does too. You got to oh, take yeah. that personally. When you're a coach, right? You're you're not the schemer. You're not the offensive schemer. You're a coach, right? Like we used to joke about this about 
about Jason Garrett when he was like, call me coach Garrett. And I was like, yeah, you're the offensive coordinator. I wouldn't really call you a coach, but he right. is a coach, right? He's supposed to be expressing this and lifting players up and teaching them how to work and be successful in his system. When they don't do it, you don't turn around and go, oh, this guy fucking sucks. You sit there and go, shit, what do I need to help this kid? He's making me look bad. And that's a failure on my part. It's like being a parent. When your kid grows up to be a mass murderer, you failed as a parent. You don't oh, get definitely. To back and go, oh, this kid sucks. I disown him. No, no, no. He's <laughs> you, dude. So when your quarterback, when your brand new, fresh out of college quarterback can't play well, it's the fucking offensive coordinator and, and the fucking quarterback's coach's fault. It is because he was drafted for a reason to meet some potential that everyone in the NFL saw. Everybody. Because there was not one team in the NFL that didn't have him down as a first rounder. Not one. I'm not to make excuses for the floor. All I'm going to say is they were doing fine up until Brees Hall got injured, which just puts more tokens in the basket of Brees Hall is a game changer, and he needs oh, to yeah. get healthy and back on that field, and I'm looking forward to that next season. So, is. But you know what my biggest problem with the whole situation is? And, and I posted it today on, on the Twitters, okay? And it's a clip of Zach Wilson getting uh, getting drafted, and Robert Sala picking up the phone and go, and saying, this team will lift you up, not the other way around. And as soon as Brees went down, everybody on that team looked at Zach like, so what you got for me, boy? It's your turn to carry the squad. Hold time right. the fuck out. I could have sworn coach told him on day one, you won't have to lift this team up. We'll lift you up. And now you're asking right. him to carry the entire squad. This, that's a hell of a no, way I agree. to fucking develop a young kid. And you know what? Somebody showed uh, Steve Young's stats today. And Steve Young's stats, he had under 60% completion percentage and a bad touchdown to fucking interception ratio. And he's Steve fucking Young. I don't know. Who are you waving at? Sorry. Uh, my father just Skyped me. Oh. Uh, I was trying not to be rude. I muted myself. Nice fella. Nice fella. But, you know, I'm not saying that Zach Wilson's going to end up being Steve Young. What I'm saying is it's the coach's responsibility to ensure that the player lives up to, to his potential. Now, if you have a Jamarcus Russell situation where the player's not even fucking trying, that's a different story. It's an entirely different story. The player's not even trying. But when the kid doesn't live up to his potential and everybody in the NFL pretty much says, like, oh, he's got this to pot potential. We see it. That's why he was a first round pick in everybody's on everybody's board. They were like, yeah, he's a first rounder. Go find me a scout right now. That was like, yeah, that guy doesn't have first round talent. Yeah. There's a reason I, for I, it. I think right now with the situation with the jets, the only thing that Twitter's doing is just like making me more and more jaded to the fact that there's a lot of quarterbacks out there that have the potential to come here. And I really don't want most of them. I don't want Derek Carr. I don't, I, I, I don't want, Kirk Cousins, I don't. Well, Kirk Cousins is not coming to the Jets. That's not well. They just somebody somebody posted a whole you know multi team swing between the Vikings and the Bears and the Jets and everybody giving up two years of first round picks. It's like nobody does that. Stop. Business together. The Vikings and the Bears doing business together. Those NFC North teams are like all of them are the the Yankees and the Red Sox. Oh, I know. Like they they don't do business together. They don't. But just just. Just, you know, putting a little bit of, you know, spotlight on them and just thinking about it in a, you know, this may be a reality sort of way. It's just, I don't want them. The only person I really can see the Jets going after is Lamar Jackson. I think that would bring the excitement. He's definitely young enough to be able to be our franchise quarterback for the next decade. Yeah. Uh, I think yes, 
the only thing that gets me pumped up. And I'm not saying I'm right. And I don't think that I could sit here and predict the future and say he's going to be the best for the team. But I, I, I don't know. I do Derek Carr, not a fan. Not at all. I don't think he's the guy. I, I think he's going to be like a, a Russell Wilson situation. He's going to show up and just shit the bed and we're stuck with him. I mean, I, he's not, he's not, honestly, I, I don't think, I don't think anybody's due to be good over here. I think Lamar Jackson comes over here, gets injured. I think, I, I, st- I still have strong feelings about the culture of, of our franchise in general, the frustration of the fans, the lack of, of just ability to, to accept the fact that like, it's things don't happen in one day. And, and I'll give you a perfect example. Look at all the fucking people sitting there going, Oh, it's not fair that fucking everybody keeps saying that a rebuild takes time. And then they keep showing examples of Jacksonville and fucking giants. Show me the fucking team that the fucking Jacksonville giants have to beat in their own division. They're guaranteed six wins a season because right. their division sucks. So fucking bad. So bad. Oh yeah. The Giants. Honestly, the, the Giants are the NFC East version of the, of the Vikings, where they just got continuously lucky for the entire season. There's nobody on that Giants team except for Dexter Lawrence and maybe Saquon Barkley, a little tiny bit. Then I'm sitting there going, wow, this guy's dangerous. I'm totally afraid of that guy. They have no wide receivers. Their tight ends are mediocre. Their quarterback is the most mid guy since Kirk Cousins. Their offensive line is half decent. Saquon Barkley's a monster. He really is. If he can stay healthy, he's great. They have no secondary whatsoever. So, like, why are they still in it? I don't know. Fucking luck. Sometimes the ball bounces in your direction sometimes. I don't know. Flip a fucking coin. Sometimes you can win. The Vikings did it all season. The Vikings did it all. The Vikings did it all season, and they finally got unlucky in the playoffs. I was going to say the Jaguars kind of did it. I I am so pissed that they fucking had that comeback and win because I – it's just feeding the masses that Lawrence is just a stellar athlete, and he's not, bro. I – Whatever. I'm not going to sit here and be a bitter guy because, you know, they ended up eking out the Chargers and winning and they came back from a huge deficit. Good for them. Uh, you know, and Trevor Lawrence played very well in the second half of that game to put them in a position to win. But it's just, how can you sit there and blow smoke up a kid's ass that has like a 50% comes out and is a stud and 50% of the time comes out and fucking lays a goose egg, like literally lays a goose egg. And then you can still continue to blow smoke up his head. Oh, he's young. Oh, he's developing. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's that. But that inconsistency is not that's that's not what you're looking for in a young quarterback. Yeah. That, I, like, I, I, you know, I, I just I don't I the jur- the jury's still out on everybody until they take their last snap, right? Because look at Geno Smith. Had a, mm-hmm. he had a solid hell of a fucking season. He really did. So I, I'm I'm not a person that's going to sit here and say, oh, this guy's garbage forever. I'm not going to say that. I don't think that's true about anybody until they take their last snap and you're like, all right, that guy, like Vernon Galston, he's garbage forever. He took his last snap. He's, there is no turning it <laughs> around. Look at Frankie fucking Luvu, who was a special teamer for us, and he's a star on Carolina right now. Yep. Just add him to the list of linebackers that we give away for nothing. Yep. You know, uh, add him to the Jonathan Vilmas and the fucking Demario Davises and – <laughs> the James Farriers that go to other teams and become pro bowlers. And uh, we're still sitting here going, fuck, I wish we had a better linebacker core. Yeah. So I mean, I, I guess take with that what you will. Maybe uh, maybe we, we think twice about getting rid of somebody like Quan Alexander and or uh, Quincy Williams. 
before they right. go to somebody else's team and become fucking all-stars over there. Um, but uh, but I'm, the jury's still out on, on all these young kids. Again, until they take their last snap, we don't know who the fuck they're going to be. Uh, the day they take their last snap, then we can sit there and be like, oh, that guy was garbage. But, you know, again, Geno Smith fucking played like seven years in the NFL. Nothing to write home about. This season he comes in and he's a fucking stud. I would say I he's a be solid. Definitely solid. Not a I'd stud, but solud. Right I take him on the Jets. Stud, right now. stud compared to what he played like uh his entire career up until this season. Well, I mean stud in the sense that he's starting for a lot of teams that don't have a starter. De- dependable, reliable, solid quarterback, uh little to no mistakes and huge upside. I mean, other than the fact that it took him this long to accomplish that in the NFL, but Who's to say what the the time period it takes a good quarterback to develop? And that's the question, I guess, right? I mean, right now, Justin Fields' cheeks, but you never know. In fucking five years, (laughs) when his legs don't work anymore, he might learn how to throw a football. But, uh, yeah, I I mean, a lot of offensive coordinators got fired. Ravens have an opening. They fired uh, Greg Roman, which is weird because he's not not their quarterback a MVP, but apparently – right. This year was the, the 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 straw that broke the camel's back. Um, I believe uh, the Commanders fired their offensive coordinator. The Jets fired their offensive coordinator. The Patriots fired their offensive coordinator. Um, the Rams fired their offensive coordinator. Now, so here's my problem, right? When you're an offensive coordinator under an offensive-minded coach and the offense isn't doing it, I'm blaming the coach. The head coach is at fault. I mean... That's- you're an offensive coach. Like like the Jets, when they had Rex Ryan, did they ever have a bad defense? Right now, with the Jets, with Robert Sala, who's a defensive-minded coach, did they have a bad defense? Nope. They went from like 30, 30th in the league, 31st in the league last year, whatever it was. They're, they're top 10 defense, if not top five right now. Yeah. How'd that happen? I agree. Especially you know with all I mean? the new pieces that they put in, rookies. Putting them a in lot. situations. Brand new cornerbacks this season. Uh, two brand new safeties because because Joiner didn't play last year and Whitehead was on the Bucks, right? right? Uh, uh, a new outside line, a new linebacker with Quan Alexander. Uh, their defensive line was solid. They they kept the same guys from the defensive line yeah. for the most part. The rest of that defense was brand new, brand new. Not to say that they don't they they don't have the potential to play good. But I'm saying it's hard to hop into a new for, new system and adapt so very quickly. And God bless them, Salah and and uh, Ulbrick did a hell of a job. Yeah, Hell. definitely. Um, so, Listen, season's so- over. I mean, I think I for the Jets, as far as the Jets are concerned, I think uh, we had higher than average expectations going in. We, I mean, me and you both said we thought they were going to go over on the over-under, which was like a five, five wins? Five and a half, I think. Five and a half. So, I mean, if you told me that they were going to have, what, were they, what did we end up with, seven wins this year? So if you told me at the beginning of the year we're going to end up with seven wins and not tell me how the season played out, I, I'd i accept it. No, no problem. i say, all right, that's, I mean, pretty average team. But for I the – I think I looked at it. I said we can get seven or eight wins this year. Yeah. But I think it was the fact that we got the wins early and we showed promise and the rookies were just stellar. I mean, how many weeks in a row was a Jets rookie the player of the week and offense, defense, everything. It was just it was tremendous, not, dude. And it it got our hopes wrong. up. You're not, you're not wrong, but the whole rookie of the week thing, other than getting nominated, I think getting nominated is a bigger deal than getting the actual award. The actual award mm-hmm. is a popularity. 
There's, yeah, yeah, there's no, no, I get it. Or anything else. But the fact that to get nominated, you have to have a pretty fucking good game. Yeah. And it's just, I think that we hyped ourselves up early and, you know, we didn't, we didn't appreciate the ending to our season, but I mean, we have a lot of great things to, you know, bank on and build on coming from this, this last year, our quarterback is our issue and whether it's, we're going to train them up right and get them in a position to, to win for us, or we're going to go try to pick up a, a veteran. I, the core of our team is solid. And I, I think the under over for next year's got to be six and a half, seven, if not higher, because I think the Jets are going to step into next season with, you know, a lot more, um, what's the word I'm looking for experience going forward. And if we can hone in on the issue, we had a quarterback and get an offensive coordinator in here that can work with what he has and turn them into winners and not expect them to be winners on their own. I think we'll be in in pretty damn good shape. Well, I mean, you, you scheme toward what you got, not what you want. Right? We say it in the military all the time: you go you go to war with the army you have, not the army you want. And I feel like I feel like uh, Lafleur just couldn't do that. He, he was like, "Listen, I need a player that does this. Yeah, well, I need a coordinator that can work with what I have because this is what I got. So figure it out. That's your right. job as a coach. When you're a peewee coach, you don't sit there and go, well, I can't I can't win a game right now unless I have a stud fucking quarterback. You don't have a fucking stud. They're kids. They don't have – you don't have that. Mm-hmm. And, and people go, well, this is the NFL. You're right. But in the NFL, you can't have everything you want. This isn't fucking baseball where you could just buy every player. If that this was the, the case, NBA. The <laughs> would fucking buy every fucking player and no other team would ever win. Yep. The Jets, Giants, the Cowboys would run the fucking NFL if you could just buy every player. Yeah. It would be that simple. And probably the Texans, too, because and the Dolphins and fucking Texas, the Florida teams, because there's tax-free in those states. They yep. can just buy what they want, you know? But they don't. But that's not a thing. So, like, the, the truth of the matter is you just got to sit there and work with what you got. You know? It's like when we get those stupid memes that say build the best team and they only give you fucking $12. And they yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're not going to get every good player. You're only going to get the players right. that you can get. Like, you have to sit there and sacrifice here because you want to get something there. And it happens a lot in the NFL. You'll see that a lot, that there's always somebody on the team who's just not good. And why is that? Because they couldn't afford the guy that was good. And yeah, right. Was, the salary cap didn't allow for it. Or he wasn't leaving his current team. Like, you know, we talk about all the time. Who's on the free agent market? Nobody. So what do you do? Hope that you draft a guy and right. then he pans out. Because the odds of him panning out are like arguably 50-50, 90% of the time. Yeah, everybody's one injury but, I mean, away. Terrible career. Listen, moving moving forward, uh, the Giants panned out this season, and they win their uh, wild card weekend game. Moving on, um, I didn't I watch mean, much Tim, of that game. I don't know if you, I caught it. The Giants and the Jags did not win. The team that they played against just lost. Okay, no excuses for either one of those teams winning a, a playoff game, especially the Jags, the Chargers. <laughs> just choked their life away up 27 points at the half. And they somehow managed to lose costing their offensive coordinator, his job. I think their head coach got fired too. Rightfully Dude, so. The Viking, Vikings fans, not for nothing, have just been punished. They've just been punished. They've been on the precipice of doing something great. And they just, the team just fucks the fan base right out of it. Well, I, I had a funny interaction with a, a, a person on Twitter. Um, I guess it was a year ago and I, I, I completely forgot about it. And uh, this goes out to Tommy Sullivan, 
Tom Thomas Sullivan, who's a, apparently a Vikings fan, um, he posted something. I guess I'll share the screen and show everybody what it says, and I'll read it out loud for those listening on uh, on um, Audible Breaker or wherever. and Audible. Yeah. So the original tweet was from Jeremy Fowler at ESPN saying that Ed Donatel has emerged as the, a favorite for the Vikings defensive coordinator position. Uh, that new coach Kevin O'Connell is getting plenty of experience on defense. Thomas Sullivan said Donatel is extremely close to Donatello, who wears purple and is the smartest and therefore the most useful Ninja Turtle. This is a match made in heaven. So February 9th, 2022, I said, Leonardo having leadership skills is the most useful turtle. Intelligence means nothing if you lack the direction in which to use it. So here we are nearly a year later, and Thomas Sullivan replies to my tweet from February 9th, 2022, with a gif of <laughs> Billy Madison saying, I was wrong. You were right. You're the best. I'm the worst. <laughs> You're very good looking. I'm not attractive. <laughs> And I, I gotta say, that pretty was funny to go back that far. And and initially, his response on that day was, "This is a fight. We are fighting." Because he felt so strongly that Ed Donatel was going to be the right guy. <laughs> and I gotta say, shout out to Thomas Sullivan. That was hilarious. Um, and, and you know what? What a difference! What a difference a year makes. Because we're saying the same thing about Lafleur. Two years ago, we hired him, Shanahan guy, young guy. His brother's doing good things in Green Bay. Everybody's sitting there asking questions about his brother now, wondering if his brother's any good. Right. You know? And and you know, it's it's Monday morning quarterbacking. Everybody's sitting there right now talking about their offensive and defensive coordinators, saying uh, Jet fans, especially about LaFleur, saying that they're trash, whatever, or LaFleur was trash. I knew it. No, you didn't. Nobody was saying that. Dude, I you know what's funny? It uh, not to switch pace here a little bit, but uh, just a couple weeks ago, me and my cousin were having a discussion about you know football, and he's a diehard Bills fan. And I kind of told him straight out, I was like, "Dude, if you're going into the playoffs thinking with the teams that you've lost to this season, you're confident that you're just going to run through everybody," I said, "You're out of your goddamn mind. You are out of your mind." And exactly. lo and behold, they had to scrape one out against the Dolphins, bro. Like you shitting me, and not even, uh, not even against saying the Dolphins probably win. Yep. Uh, speaking of uh, the Bills, it seems like Jordan Poyer is on his way out, and that would be a great pickup for the Jets to play safety. Oh, definitely. Because uh, his 100%. wife posted something yeah uh, yesterday on Twitter. It might have been today actually. I, you know, your days messed up sometimes. Um, saying something like, "It's surreal to think that my husband may be playing his last home game for the Buffalo Bills." Wow. And uh, that's that's wild. But, uh, yeah, the coaching carousel has already started, and a lot of offensive coordinators getting fired. A lot of offensive coordinators, too. Like six or seven offensive coordinators have been fired thus far. Uh, uh, I forget if it's – I'm pretty sure it's John Harbaugh coming out and saying that – and that's the good Harbaugh. I hate Jim Harbaugh, by the way. I think he's a bad person. Um, has nothing to do with football. I just don't like him because I think he's a bad person. Um, it, it all started when he was the head coach at Stanford. And he went to people's homes and told them, I'll be at the school to take care of your kid. Don't worry about them going to college. I got them. And then like a month before spring practices started, decided to leave and go to the NFL after he said, I'm not going to the NFL and recruited kids and told them like, I'll be there for you. And then he wasn't. So to me, like you're, you, you're not a man. Like you shake people's hands in their home, tell them you're going to take care of their kid. And then you don't, you're right. a bad person. 
Just overall, you're a bad person. But anyway, moving on from Jim Harbaugh, John Harbaugh says that Lamar Jackson will be involved in the coach, the offensive coordinator hiring, which a lot of people took to mean that he will be with the Ravens long term. I don't know if anybody realizes this, but they still have to sign the man. Right. It's not up to the coach. Yeah. I, I don't know if they they, they realize that, um, but they still have to sign Lamar Jackson. And if they got to sign Lamar Jackson, whether or not he hires their offensive corner, here's the worst case scenario for the Ravens right now. They, they take Lamar Jackson's opinion into consideration with the hire of the new offensive coordinator, and he never signs a long-term deal. That that's worst case scenario for them. Yeah. Cause now they got a guy that, that maybe he shouldn't have the job, but the guy who's no longer on your team picked him up. And yeah. I think, real- I think, I think the likely situation is, I think it's about 50, 50 at this point. If the Ravens hold on to him and give him a long-term deal or just tag him and try to trade him and get something for him. Yeah. And I, I, I I mean, I, it, you would think with somebody as good as Lamar Jackson, it would be a no-brainer. Like, you know, they're keeping him long-term and they're cutting the check. But I don't know, dude. It's just there's something, something stinky about that cheese in Baltimore, bro. You know what's crazy is um, I the Ravens have never had a stud quarterback, and I think maybe that's that's their ego a little bit because they've never needed one. They won two Super Bowls with bums at quarterback. Yeah. And now they're sitting there going, all right, we have an MVP quarter, uh, quarterback. Who gives a shit? We don't need him. And, and and honestly, they have a little bit of dissension running. I don't know if you caught what happened with J.K. Dobbins after the season's over. He's sitting there basically going, like, I'm the best fucking player on the team without Lamar. Like, we win that game if we have Lamar. And then, you know, I'm the best fucking option on the team without Lamar, and you don't even give me the fucking ball. Uh, now, to me, that's a problem. Oh, Definitely. To me, to me, that's a problem. When you're a leader, you don't. You, how's it go? Praise in public, discipline in private. Yeah. Him coming out and bad mouthing Greg Roman, bad mouthing uh, Huntley. Like Huntley's out there doing his best for you to sit there and be like, "Well, we win if Lamar's." Fucking he didn't playing. do terrible. He didn't how do terrible. Like, how does that help your teammate? Like, and 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 you know what? Somebody that we're friends with on um on uh on Twitter um. Je- uh, th- this uh, this guy I'm friends with on Twitter, Jeffrey, um, cool cool dude. He posted something with regard to the Jets, saying like that 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 players rejoiced that the team decided to bench Zach Wilson in favor of what Mike White, right? And he asked mm-hmm. the question. I genuinely wonder if any of these guys are half as likable as we are led to believe uh, in the fall, like when they're playing, just right. openly bashing their teammates in the middle of winning then hooting and hollering as the ship started sinking. And my response to him was, that's the youth culture. And when I say youth, I mean people in Gen Z, right? Kids today have no respect for one another at all. They're self-centered and do not understand the concept of being a member of a team. A team is just an instrument you use to get yours. Now, do you think... And you know what, though? To be fair, there might be a millennial issue, too, because look at LeBron James. I think I could be wrong and I'm not sitting here trying to make a case for bringing any of this stuff back because there's obviously bad consequences that come along with stuff like hazing rookies and essentially putting people on notice that like, Hey, you're the new guy. 
somebody in here is going to hurt you bad. Shut up. But there's also a case to be said of learning, hey, your shit does stink. You're not the biggest guy in here. And it doesn't matter how good you are. If you disrespect the team, we're going to beat the shit out of you. And it's going to be really hard to run that ball when your legs are broken. Well, I and mean, it, it, there's, there's, it, there's got to be a give and take because we've gotten society's gotten so far away from accountability in a physical sense and kind of that mean and nasty way of doing things. But that mean and nasty way of doing things teaches valuable lessons in sports as violent as football or hockey or even, let's say, your job, the military. There's something to be said about, you know, putting putting pause on somebody and letting them know, like, hey, your ego is here, but your skills are down here, and I'm going to hurt you, and it's getting to a head up here. So you let me know where you want this to go. Yeah. Dude, and it's like people are just given the opportunity to run their mouth nonstop, and there's no consequences. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it is It is definitely a problem. It definitely is a problem. But um, moving on from the NFL, moving on to the NHL. Oh, yeah. The New York Rangers have been playing much better hockey while the New York Islanders have been circling the drain as they have in years past while they reference their 1980s run. Or rather, their fans. <laughs> So somebody talking about it today going, I need a 30 for 30 about how dominant the New York Islanders were back in 1982. The only thing dominant in the 80s was cocaine and hair metal. Other than that, nobody gives a shit about the 80s. AIDS was pretty strong, and so was freaking uh so was crack. Crack was pretty strong in the in the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah, but that's not the that's not the fun stuff you talk about. Talk about Motley <laughs> Crue and ripping lines of cocaine. At work, because that was the thing to do. Speaking of the Rangers, check this bad boy out. Ooh. 3D printing. Nice. So how do you feel about how do you feel about the Liberty uniform? A lot of people are like, oh, it's jinx. <sighs> Fuck that uniform. I'm not a I'm not a huge uh fan of it, honestly. I like I, the Liberty uniform. Not a big fan of it. Doesn't really do anything for me. Listen, I, I, I'm I not going to sit here and try to try to say that the Rangers jerseys are the most like cool or you know attention grabbing or anything like that. But give me just the old school Rangers across the chest and you know stripes on the arm, and I'm happy. But I, I, would I like to see some like awesome logo or? But the, the Liberty logo is just it, I don't know, man. It doesn't. It's it's better than the Gordon's Fishman logo that the Islanders try to roll out, but. It's still, I don't know, it doesn't pop. It doesn't sizzle. It doesn't do anything for me. You know what I mean? I, I, I like the Liberty. I really do. I, I don't know why. I, I think maybe it's because, like, I got into hockey so much back in 90, 93, 94. Um, and then that it kind of came out right after. So it was like a, a new thing for young kids. I think the coolest thing the Rangers, the jerseys they've done, other than, like, the camo for, um, you know, the, the armed forces, that camo jersey is pretty cool. Um but I like anything in camo. I think the the winter classic jersey that they brought out a, a couple years ago was pretty. Yes, I, I like that one a lot. Nice. That was very. Nice. I think that was like out of all the things that the Rangers did unconventionally, like not the standard Rangers jersey. I think I like that alternate alternate jersey the most. I think that jersey uh, it looked like a real sweater. Yes, and I think that's. I I think I you know I agree with you on that one because. Um, 
So if I can f- share this fucking picture, um, th- that's, that's a nice one. It, it really is. Um, this is the one you're talking about, right? Yeah. Nice cream with a, with a, a Mark Stahl, um, not Gunner Stahl from Team Iceland. <laughs> um, nice. I like that cream color. It's like old school throwback kind of. Yeah, dude. I, it, something about it invoked just like an old school, like, all right, this is original six hockey. Let's get it. And the Rangers and do pretty damn well in the Winter Classic. So, I mean, are you not going to like anything having to do with the Winter Classic and the New York Rangers? And then this is the, the Military Appreciation Night jersey. Was that this year's? That was this year's and last year's. They didn't change it. Um, Why do I feel like last year's was green? It was. Or was that two no, years ago? I, well, two years ago it was green, and I have that one. Okay. Uh, and, and it had a different service. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It had, like, every player had um, uh, every player had a different service, um, a branch of service on the, on the front of it. So, like, I have a Panarin one. Uh, actually, looks like it looks like this one. It looks like if I can get the damn thing up. I think I think yeah. There you go. Looks like that. Mm-hmm. It was a dark green, but uh, if you got like a player's name, it was um, it had the players like it had a branch logo, or not logo, but it, had, it said like Army on the front next to mm-hmm. like to the right underneath the Adidas logo on the front. It said Army. That's cool. Um, but uh, but the dark green was hard to see. Yeah, was hard to see there the- was no there was no um, contrast in that jersey. I still yeah, liked it. And like OD green, but very dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, sitting up in the blues, you're not telling anything apart. You're yeah. like, right, yeah, that's yeah. somebody. So speaking of jerseys, uh, this week, uh, big controversy with jerseys. Go ahead, talk about that, T. You're very passionate about this. And Sean, I, I'll let you take. <laughs> uh, I was going to let you you ease the way into it, but I guess I'll take control. I don't know Proporov's first name. Uh, it's not Sergey. <laughs> was that going to be your go-to? Before before we go, we go that further. <laughs> can you pull up the tweet that I shared? Or on? Uh, I can try. One second. Um. So before we get any further, right? Uh, my, my heart and, and, and I'm, I'm a little upset this week. Uh, my, my girlfriend's aunt passed away this week and, uh, I'm sorry for your loss. And it was a beautiful woman and, um, just such a welcoming person. She's the type of person like you meet her. I mean, I'm with my girlfriend for almost two years now. And the first time I met her, uh, I said, it's nice to meet you, ma'am. And she goes, no, 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 no. Aunt Janet. I'm aunt Janet. Oh, it's beautiful. You know, like just a just a, a warm spirited person. She passed away unfortunately this week, but she was surrounded by loved ones, and and she wasn't in any pain when she went. And that's I think that's all that we can ask for in this world. But uh, we're sitting down, my girlfriend and I, we're sitting downstairs watching the Ranger game earlier before we started the show, mm-hmm. and we're talking. And I and I look at her and I go, "So what do you think she's doing right now?" And she goes, "What do you mean?" I'm like, "She's probably up there telling Saint Peter to call her Aunt Janet." <laughs> And she goes, no, she's probably meeting up with the rest of the family that's already up there. I was like, yeah, asking them what, you know, where, where's the best place to eat up there. And as we're watching, Igor makes an amazing stop in the net. Amazing stop. Um, And I go, see, that was Aunt Janet. She was hey, angels on the ice. And she goes, yeah. My girlfriend goes, yeah, she's standing behind Gorbachev. And I go, Gorbachev. 
I go, tear down goes, this wall. She goes, not Gorbachev. What's the goalie's name? I go, Shesterkin. <laughs> She's thinking Gorgiev from last season. I go, I go, Gorbachev. Close enough. The Soviet Union. <laughs> she starts slamming her shoe down on the podium. Uh, well, I'm sorry for Meredith and, and your loss. That's that's terrible, dude. Yeah. But uh, may she rest in peace. Yeah, I um, yeah, like I said, uh, it's sad that she's gone. But you know, I'm 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 happy to say I knew her. You know, to say the very least, like absolutely, like, life could have been worse. I could have never met her at all. Uh, I met her. I met her later in her life, and obviously recently in mine. But you know, it could have been worse. I could have never met her at all. And she definitely added something to my life. Um, anyway, back to scheduled programming. Ivan Proporov. Pro, uh, Provorov. Yeah. Pro. Yeah. Provorov. Pro, so. Ivan Provorov, yeah. He de- he declined to wear the... He declined uh, to wear his Pride LGBTQ warm-up jersey, LGBTQ and 57 other f- letters that are in there. I mean, they make it so damn hard to like figure out what they're going with because everybody wants to be individualistic, yet be part of a group. It doesn't make sense. But uh, he refused to wear his Pride warm-up jersey, essentially because he's Orthodox Russian and said that it goes against his religion uh, when they interviewed him about it, he said exactly what you'd expect somebody to say. Not against anybody that's gay or, you know, different from him. And he has nothing but respect for them. But it goes against what he believes and how he was raised. And he didn't feel the need to support it. <clears throat> I don't feel like there's anything wrong with that Wait, whatsoever. So did, he say, did he say support it or promote it? I believe he promote it. Because there's a big difference. I can support you all I want without promoting what you're doing. Right. Right. So, exactly. Because, I mean, don't get me wrong. Could not care less if you're gay, bisexual, lesbian, or, you know, whatever you want to be. Tie a belt around your neck and have somebody walk you like a dog. Go for it. I don't care. You're not my problem. (laughs) Autoerotic asphyxiation. No, no. Um, Do whatever you want. You're an adult. You're doing whatever you're gonna do with other, you know, adults. Ha- have fun. Hey, whatever makes you happy in life. Hurting somebody or yourself, go for it. And I support your right to do that. But that doesn't mean I have to promote your way of life. There's nothing that says I have to promote you or what you're doing. Versus, I'm a bigot if I don't. I mean, a dude, live your life. Whatever you want to do, who, marry whoever you want. Hundred percent. Go for it. It doesn't mean, uh, uh, you know, if, if my job told me on a week-to-week basis I had to wear an LGBTQ uh, rainbow T-shirt that I'd be like, oh, yeah, sure, I'm definitely doing that. Like, no. I would never wear a rainbow T-shirt regardless of, you know, what it stands for. Just, I'm not wearing a rainbow T-shirt. I work you know what I mean? Like, that's not, that, like, it's not going to happen. You can tell me where to wear a unicorn shirt. I'm not doing that either. Like, I'm not going to do something that I, I feel I don't I don't necessarily have to do. But adding that connotation to it, and obviously the reason why they're having this right, if it goes against his morals or his religion or anything like that, he can choose to not, not you know, participate in it. And people are getting very upset that he's just not going with the status quo and he's the problem because he just he's the 1% that, had the balls to say, like, yeah, I'm not cool with this. Because if you think every single player on, on in the NHL 
is cool with that or doesn't have some sort of problem or some sort of phobia towards anything other than, you know, like a heterosexual relationship, you're out of your mind. And I'm not saying that makes them right or wrong, but people are allowed to be individuals and have their own opinions or beliefs. You don't have to uh, support them in their beliefs and opinions, but they have every right to have them the same way you do. So to go after somebody that very, very eloquently said, hey, listen, I, I don't want to take anything away from them. It's just not my cup of tea. You know, nothing against them. I don't I have know, a problem with them, but it's just not something well, I'm going to I'm going to promote. He didn't go out there wearing his regular warm up and he didn't go out there and say, I'm not supporting this openly. What happened was he didn't come out for warm ups. And they asked Tortorella they made an issue out of it. and they made an issue out of it. Because they're yeah. sitting there saying, oh, well, he's taking away from the Pride Night by making an issue. He wasn't making an issue. He just didn't come out for warm-ups. Right. Like, you're you're making it an issue because you want to create drama. Because you exactly. want to make the – the, the media wants to do it, and so does everybody else pushing this woke agenda. Okay? And that's what it is. It's an agenda. Uh, if you think that anybody in that locker room is going, going to games and going to a stadium and outright being a, a gay-bashing nutjob – that's not what happens. People are going to the, the arena focusing on hockey, and I doubt very much anybody's talking about their sexual inclinations in the locker room. That's just not what they're focused on. It, it's still a place of business, okay? But the media is making it out to be an agenda-driven thing where they can drum up drama over it, and since woke is the you know new norm and the thing to do, trying to get somebody jammed up because all they want to do is show up and play hockey and have no affiliation with anything to do with anything other than hockey, Hockey. what's wrong with that i i um here's my problem from for me as a minority at least if anybody who is a minority Jet fan? thinks yeah right no but <laughs> anybody who's a minority thinks that these organizations the nhl the nfl the mlb the nba fifa whomever else do you really if you think that they actually give a shit about supporting you as a minority you're high as a fucking kite Hi, like I go to the military appreciation night game for the Rangers most years. I try to at least because I want to grab me a jersey most years. If they change the jersey, I want to get the military appreciation jersey. I they don't give a shit about me in the military. They do not care. Do not because you know what? If they really cared, they'd sit there and go, "Oh, you have military ID? Here's a free hat just for you because you're in the military. We support you." But they're not willing to cost themselves money. And people will sit there and go, "Oh, well, they'll give you a discount." You're right. They will give me a discount because I will buy more. Right. I will buy more. They know it. They know it. If I go to Latin night, which I don't, because I know, I, again, all it is is a ploy to get you to buy a fucking jersey that says Los Rangers. That's it. They don't, they want to, they want you to come to six games and they hope that you show up on Latin night. They play a little salsa music for you and pretend like they're honoring fucking Boone Nieves so that you'll go to a second and third game and pay more money. That's all they give a shit about. They do not care about anybody but the end of the year when they look at their fucking stubs to see how far in the black they are. If it was a little bit more, then it was fucking worth it. But they could not give a shit less about fucking cancer research. And I'm not talking about the players. I'm talking about the league, and I'm talking about the teams. They don't give a shit. I'll give you a perfect example, right? I work for the United States Army. Every year, the fucking NFL has a military appreciation month in November, okay? And and somehow, some way, they still made the National Guard pay them money to honor veterans during games as advertising. 
And, and you're sitting here going to pretend to tell me that they give a shit? The Yankees don't give a fuck about the, about veterans during fucking... They're the Yankees. They want to seem like they're patriotic. So the, every fucking game at the seventh inning stretch, I change the channel because they're honoring some veteran that's there. No, it's a fucking ploy to get you to think they are good guys. We were talking about wrestling before and how people aren't what they really are. They're just doing that on TV. That is every sports organization on the face of the planet Earth. None of them give a fuck about the the fans. They only care about the fans that are paying money. That's the only fan that they care about. If you're a fan that doesn't spend a dollar on the franchise, they could not give a shit less about you. And you know how I know this? Because when you're a fan and you try to talk to the owner, he ignores you unless you're a shareholder. You're not a shareholder? What you have to say. Now, if there's 100,000 of you, now he'll listen because 100,000 people will fill his stadium. Right. Now he cares. But if 10 people walked up to him and they were like, this is really fucked up, he'd be like, I don't give a fuck. Go complain to somebody else while I count my money. Yeah. So, like, all this bullshit over a LGBTQ night, as if these people really think that the NHL gives... If you think as a minority that the NHL, the NFL, the NBA, that FIFA or the MLB give a fuck about you and your cause, you're either stupid or you're on drugs. One or the other. They do on not. On top of the fact that if you oh. think that the LGBTQ community is the draw, the majority of the draw that the NHL has, you're also out of your mind. You know, you're that's out. not. I'll be honest. But with no, you. My, my point is my point is if. My point is that if fans unanimously said, which they kind of did because Provorov's jersey is sold out right now. On uh, fanatics, so um, I mean, the, the, the fans are kind of making a statement right there with that. You're gonna have a lot of people that aren't Flyer fans rocking his jersey for a long time, especially the rest of this season. And this is on the heels of the NHL putting out a PR thing that uh, I mean, he made it all the way to the governor of Florida's desk, uh, DeSantis, because they put out a PR thing saying, "Hey, the NHL is hiring, and if you're black, Latino, gay, lesbian, bisexual, trans." Um, everything but a white man. Everything but a white guy. Please come down and um, you know put put your resume in for a job. Like, and everybody's even DeSantis is like, you realize that by discriminating against one group, you're doing the exact thing that you're trying to be woke against. Like, that's that's racist. That's bigoted. That's that's a problem. You're 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 a problem. You can't fucking do that shit. There's laws against that for a reason. But that this coming on the heels of that. My point being that if you don't think that the NHL would not backtrack big time, if the fan base who is, I could assume, 70, 80% heterosexual, turned around and said, yeah, we're not coming to games. This is the shit that you're going to support. If you don't think as a business the NHL would pull L- everything LGBTQ to, to make sure their business maintains profit, you're out of your fucking mind. Yeah, You're honestly, out of your mind. The whole thing, all of it, all of the the, the Latin nights and the fucking, it's all. Oh, Latin nights a great ploy for white guys like myself to pick up fine, fine Latin women like I have upstairs, married to eleven years. That's what uh, that shit's about. It's like, oh hell yeah! It's 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 all just to try to create a, a, to take advantage of that niche market. So, for instance, the LGBTQ community, right? The nice. Of, say again, niece. Niche, yeah. Um, <laughs> the whole point of that is not to sit there and and play care or, or support people. It's to sit there and go, okay, for that gay guy that's not a fan yet, I want him to be a fan of my team. 
and that's right. how I'm going to get, and, and that's how I'm going to get them. Dude, how about, how about, and I mean, we ragged on them big time when, when the Islanders went to Brooklyn for those couple of years in that God awful stadium <clears throat> and all these hipsters are fucking walking around in sandals with no, with, with, with socks in the middle of the winter and riding bicycles everywhere on city streets, rocking a friggin' a, a, a Brooklyn, you know, Islanders Jersey with the B on it and stuff like that. And the Brooklyn Nets Jersey. And stuff. none of them are fans. They're just hipsters. Like, Oh, this is the trendy thing to do because we're Brooklyn and anything Brooklyn on it. It could be a pile of shit with Brooklyn stamped in it. They'll buy it. Yeah. Not fans, but you don't give a shit because they're buying your merch. And that's what it comes down to is like, they're buying the merch. That's all. That's all they want. They don't care yeah. about anything. They just want them to buy the merch. You're, you're, you're a ploy to sell. That's, that's it. And if you take it any other way, you're out of your mind. I'll tell you right now, me as a minority, I know, I know, I know that the fucking, that when they're having veterans night, they're not, they don't really give a shit about veterans. They just want me to buy the Jersey and I will. But you I know like what? It, it, but the good thing about stuff like that is if the fans feel that they want to come out and support that, then that that's a great thing. That's a great thing to show up and show for regardless of the business of the, you know, sport is concerned. Well, I, I think it's good for the fans when the fans can yes. come out and represent themselves. But as far as like the organization, I know the organization has a game whether or not they're representing anybody. Oh yeah, and and what's crazy to me is like the one of the most outspoken former NFL or NHL, excuse me, former NHL uh, players that's most outspoken about supporting Provorov is Sean Avery, who was yeah. like the NHL's original gay guy, who's not he's not gay by any stretch of the imagination, but he was a like he like everybody that's an NHL fan was like oh clearly he's gay because he likes fashion. Right. And and he's always been a, an outstanding supporter of the of the LGBTQ community or um but he's also a supporter of people having their own fucking opinion. Yeah. And very and, very much against people going after sloppy seconds. There there's nothing wrong with that. Um <laughs> uh, I, you know, my, my dad gave me a good lesson when I was when I was younger. My dad told me about when he joined the Marines. Now, my dad served for 34 years in the mil in the army and the Marine Corps. He did 20 years in the Marines and 14 years in the army, um, in in the reserve capacity. Deployed to the, uh, Desert Storm, Operation Iraqi Freedom, all that stuff. Um, he told me when he enlisted, he was leaving uh, someplace. His his recruiter took him to lunch somewhere in Manhattan, and as he was leaving the place that they ate lunch at, he saw a whole bunch of people protesting. Not protesting, excuse me. So people giving out pamphlets supporting communism. And my dad got pissed off because you got to remember, this is the height of the Cold War. America is super anti-communism, which it still should be to this day. Um, but but more so then, right? We have Rocky Four. My dad joined in 79. So communism is the red enemy. And it's, it's more prevalent of people thinking communism might be good. And then other people being like, I'll punch you in the face for saying something so stupid. Right. And my father is like, yo, I'm going to go beat the shit out of that guy. And his recruiter looked at him and said, listen, dude, you defend his right to believe what he believes now. You're a Marine now. You're going to be a Marine now. You protect his rights, him too, to think the way he wants to think. For you to sit there and assault him or accost him or whatever because of his own freedoms to, to believe whatever he believes, you're violating everything that you've just sworn to defend. Right. The Constitution of the United States, the First Amendment of which it says you have the, a right to freedom of speech and freedom of religion and press and that, all that goes along with that belief system. Right. And and Sean Avery's come out and been like, yo, listen, if Provorov doesn't want to support it, that's his fucking prerogative. He's his own brain. He's free to use it. Like, yeah. 
Why does everybody have to sit there? The only reason you have a re- you have the right to sit there and say like, oh, let's have a fucking pride night is because of the First Amendment. And then you get mad when somebody uses it against your against your thought. Correct. And, I, and, and I'm not confused about the First Amendment. I know that the First Amendment only protects you against the tyranny of the government. I get that. The rest of the world is free to think that you're an asshole. But to sit there and try to ruin people's lives because they have a different opinion than you, that's well, fucking I mean, ridiculous. Just I mean, ignore that, it. Society at this point. I would tell people to do what my father did that day, what his, my father and his recruiter did that day. Drive the fuck on with your life and go get lunch someplace else. You don't I mean, have to stop. You don't have to stop. It's a Gen Z thing. <clears throat> it's a Gen Z thing to attack people on social media and then try to figure out where they work and then attack their, you know, whoever employs them and be like, oh, this person's a racist, this person's this, and this person's that, and just try to jam them up. It's not just a Gen Z thing. It's a millennial. It is, though, because think about it. Even before all this so that's doing it yeah but if it up until the, the the height of the social media platform bullshit right if somebody was like yo i'm gonna walk into your job right now and get you fired you'd knock them the fuck out and then they think twice about it because why you don't fuck with somebody's family and be able to but put I'm money on the right now, uh, food on the table I, i'm telling you right now there is some millennial right now who's 39 years old who's sitting in their their house sitting there trying to find ways to fucking get people fired from their jobs it's just it's a fact uh, f- fair enough Fair uh, enough, but I'll, no, I, let's put it, there. it nobody, nobody, pretty much from our parents' generation up would play that game because no, they Gen- know Gen X and up, they're not doing that. They don't know how to use fucking Twitter. Right, and it's pathetic, absolutely pathetic. You, you, you have a problem with somebody's opinion, so you want to get them fired. You want to remove their ability to fucking support themselves because they have an opinion that differs than you from yours. I only know that because I follow Shawn Michaels on Twitter, and he barely ever tweets. <laughs> Gen X. If, if anybody's Gen X, it's the founder of Degeneration X. The fact. But uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, good for Provorov. Again, listen, whether you support whatever or not, like you can be respectful without without being like, yeah, it's totally cool and promoting it. You can also support without promoting. Right. Oh, like hey, listen, like I'll give you a perfect example. Um. On the list of the top 100 Hispanic players, whoever the dude that worked for the New York Times is decided to leave off Ted Williams and Reggie Jackson. Now, for those who don't know, Ted Williams is, is half Mexican and Reggie Jackson is, uh, is Puerto Rican to the effect that his middle name is Martinez, which is his mother's maiden name. Um, and his wife is Mexican. So Reggie speaks fluent Spanish and embraces his Hispanic heritage. And, and he's very much about that. But, and when they asked the author of that article in the New York Times, the top 100, uh, or it might have been top 50 Hispanic players, why he left off two of the greatest baseball players who ever lived in Reggie Jackson and Ted Williams, he said, they don't, uh, they don't represent what I consider to be a Hispanic player. Basically saying that they didn't wave the flag all over the whole free world. And th- by that, they are not Hispanic. Now, just because they don't promote the fact that they're Hispanic, probably because at the time it was probably not, it was probably better for Reggie to be black in his youth than it was to be Hispanic. Cause you got to figure he played baseball in the seventies. He was young in the fifties in the fifties. And I'll give you a perfect ex- example. Uh, my family, if you're not in New York city and you tell somebody you're Puerto Rican, they'll ask you what kind of Mexican you are. <laughs> and, and you have to explain uh. that you're not. And they're like, that doesn't make sense. All right. Um, <laughs> that doesn't make sense. 
and and Ted Williams. Daryl. We're talking about even further back. Ted Williams fought in World War II, mind you. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about he grew up in the in the tens, in the teens. Being Mexican probably wasn't a good look for him either. But that's where he learned to play baseball in, right. in Southern California, Northern Mexico. And and to sit there and say, well, he never spoke about being Mexican. Well, I mean, it was probably in his best interest not to, or else he may not be playing for the Boston Red Sox. Well, we know how accepting Boston is for minorities. <laughs> um, in, in 2022, let alone in 19 fucking 40. Um, but point being is, is that just because they didn't promote their heritage doesn't mean they don't, they're not proud of their heritage. It just means right. that they didn't find it necessary to take a fucking Puerto Rican or a Mexican flag and wave it around the whole world to let the whole fucking world know this is what I am. Well, because the truth of the matter the is, the point is, the, right. And the point is, you can't change your heritage. It doesn't make them less of that heritage. That's like you saying, well, you know what, uh, TJ, I didn't include you in, uh, you know, my my favorite friends uh, that are right-handed because you don't really represent a right-handed person. As I'm writing something right-handed, it's like, wait, what? Uh, how does that make sense? You bat switch-handed, switch hitter, so <laughs> clearly you're, you don't count. You're not really right-handed, but to top off right. everything, I, I found this just scrolling on uh, Twitter, and I think it's apropos. Um <laughs> a child's guide to online political dis discussion. Everyone I don't like is Hitler. Pretty much. That, that dude, but that's the, these people's tact. It's like, nope, I don't agree with you. So you're one of these words that I can call you to try to end the conversation. Because if I say you're a racist or a bigot or, you know, a Nazi or white supremacist, you lose automatically. And it's like, uh, okay, had nothing to do with it. The, the Rangers are still better than your team, and it has nothing to do with me being fucking a Nazi or a white supremacist or a fucking bigot or from New York. It has to do with fact. Sorry, even though the so Rangers funny. are losing. I say, I looked at the TV, I looked at Keandre Miller, and he talks about he has talked about recently about a lot of racism that he's experienced playing hockey. But it, mm -hmm. you know, that's not all he is. He doesn't really talk about any of that very much. He keeps it. He, I mean, I don't like to compare anybody to Jackie Robinson, but in hockey, it, it, the, the few black guys that play hockey, right, they kind of are very similar to Jackie Robinson in the sense that they're, they're very – like you can look on another team and make eye contact with the, maybe the one black guy on that team and be like, I know, dude. I know. Like, it's you and me. It's he, funny, though. And, and I, again, I think regionally might be different. But there was no, like, you would think that playing hockey and it being a predominantly, you know, white sport, uh, you notice those things. But playing PB hockey and all the way through high school hockey, I didn't really notice. But then again, I'm from New York City. And, I mean, who's who's the minority and who's the majority? It's, it's a fucking melting pot of mixed races and religions and all that stuff. But I could definitely see if you're coming from some, you know, province in, in Canada where you're like, Probably the only black dude in the entire town because I, it, and I'm not trying to be funny here and, but legitimately look up the racial statistics in Canada and let me know I'm lying because you're high and it's the most diverse place in the world. Not a fucking chance in the world. I've seen so many different cultures in Degrassi. It's not even, not a chance in the world. That's the representative of everything that's going on in Canada. Biggest bullshit ever, but okay. Um, I can definitely see that they're definitely being something weird about like, oh, dude, you, 
You sure this is the sport you're playing? And and you know what though? But it would be like sitting there saying that Keandre Miller's not black anymore. Because he plays he, hockey? <laughs> well, not only that, but because he doesn't stand on a corner every day and, and, and air his grievances about playing hockey and being black. Because he doesn't. Right. He's, first of all, I love Keandre Miller. Absolutely. I love I love Keandre Miller. He's a fucking stud. outstanding. The stud. Top notch. Up here. Like yep. up here. I love and quietly up here. Oh, right? yeah. Humble dude. I love Keandre Miller. Perfect yep. play. Like, as far as I'm concerned, perfect ranger. Quiet, does his job effectively. He's moved his way into my heart. Like he, I love Keandre Miller as a player, as a as a and, and he's as a professional, he's shown so much. But to sit there and try to say, oh, he he's not out there fucking rabble rousing or or to, oh, he's not black because he's playing hockey. Like, get the fuck out of here. Like, I was watching uh the I've been telling you, I've been watching the stone uh, uh, the Stone Cold sessions or the skull the skull crusher sessions with Stone Cold Steve Austin. Broken mm-hmm. skull, excuse me. The broken skull sessions with Stone Cold Steve Austin. He had um he had uh the Godfather on. Nice. And Godfather's telling a story where he, Godfather loves country music. Nothing wrong with that. Good dude. And he's in a car with Yoko Ono or Yokozuna. And he's like, and he's like, uh, listening to country music, and Yoko's into rap. <laughs> and he goes, Bro, he takes some music, he he pulls the, the tape deck, tape set out of the tape deck, throws it out the window, and he goes, You know you're black, right? Like, imagine being like, Oh, you can't listen to this music because you're black. Like, right. Why? Because I'm not listening to friggin' whatever, like. I gotta listen right. to Darius Rucker, <laughs> like right. as if stereotyping one way is okay, but the other way it's not. It's like no, it's all <laughs> fucking wrong, assholes. Yeah, you can't share this with us, or you can't like this thing. Like, come on now. Yeah, but fun fact, I mean, Keandre Miller very quietly uh, was uh, a couple weeks ago. He was doing the uh, the Garden Dreams Foundation and like the Garden reaching out to inner city kids. Um, they did a whole hockey camp in in Harlem where they went and were on the ice with the kids and giving out equipment and stuff like that because. Uh, essentially, if you don't know hockey, if you've never played hockey, you've never had a child that played hockey, hockey is expensive as shit. Yep. And essentially, if you're not middle class to upper middle class, it's pretty fucking hard to play hockey, especially if you're trying to get your kid into hockey because a new pair of skates, which are about on the cheap end, a hundred and some odd dollars every year because your kid, you're growing, a hockey stick right now is on the cheap end. 150 to 200 bucks unless you're getting like an old school one made out of a maple tree and that shit's heavy as fuck and your kid's gonna struggle with it it's like um, with, it's like playing with a wood bat dude equipment is gonna run you a helmet's gonna run you over a hundred and something dollars uh the rest of your equipment you're literally looking at about a thousand dollars on the cheap end of equipment every season to have your kid play that is before registration that is before getting time for games ice time practice all that good stuff if you don't have a couple thousand dollars to spend on your kid, plus waking up at the ass crack of morning, because guess when the kids play hockey? They play Saturday and Sunday mornings at fucking 5 a.m. And as they get older, they play later. But it's it's not a sport for people that are, you know, on the, the low end of the income. It's it's just not. So to see Keandre Miller out there supporting that and, and just, you know, trying to spread the game into areas that, Economically, it's not going to spread to because just the problems that are it, – it's unavoidable, essentially. You love to see it. Good night, buddy. Keandre My Miller son. is a stud, and I love Keandre Miller. 
Last, if you don't thought, love Keandre Miller, you're an asshole. You're hit last, <laughs> last thoughts before we close out because we've been going long. Kevin Nash back in October, you know, unfortunately, and and then TJ's gonna hate me for this. Uh, he lost his son Tristan at the, at the age of 26, and uh, he's been going through a tough tough go at it, and uh, you know, made some comments on his um so on his uh well, a podcast and uh, basically caused concern to friends of his that and they sent police to his house to do a wellness check on a guy uh kevin nash has come out and said like hey listen i was being sarcastic on my show it has been a struggle dealing with my son passing and then uh, so shortly after scott hall passed his best friend right um but my deepest thoughts are with with kevin nash uh obviously he's it's 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 definitely not an easy situation losing your child no 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 nobody ever plans on burying their kid but uh you know my, my thoughts are with Kevin Nash and good on people uh, for doing that wellness check because you know what the person probably is going to hate you and be pissed off about that but there is nothing wrong with you know giving a shit enough about a person to put yourself in harm's way not 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 really harm's way physically but harm's way friendship wise and being like dude honestly I don't give a shit if you hate me it's better than you being fucking dead and me having to live with that the rest of my life knowing that I could have possibly saved you so if you if you think anybody is putting themselves in a situation where they may hurt themselves or anything like that, uh, like in all seriousness, there is nothing wrong with. I'm not saying call the cops on somebody, but maybe let their family know. Hey, so, uh, how is so and so? Because it he doesn't seem like he's having the best time right now, and I want to make sure everything's cool. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that, and and you're you're a better person than most if you go out of your way and you put yourself out there like that because. It's it. You never know because every once in a while it might be that one text or that one phone call or that one tweet at somebody like, "Yo, what's up, man? Thinking of you. You're the man. Miss you." That that'll that'll literally change somebody's life. Well, you know me. I I I'm on Facebook, obviously. Everybody I know, whether I've spoken to them within the last ten minutes or the last ten years, I will always wish them a happy birthday. Yep. Because you never know who's going through a struggle. And that that one message from you, who they haven't spoken to in. 10 20 years is like a hell that guy just said happy birthday to me like wow he, he's he took 10 seconds just to think about me and wish me a good day and a happy birthday and you know like you, you never know it starts a conversation and maybe they're not doing too great and you just say yeah i'm not doing too great and next thing you know it starts a conversation you, you don't know the kindness of, a little kindness goes a long way unfortunately not unfortunately um in that case his his co his, his co-podcaster did call the police because he's aware that Kevin Nash has guns in his house. And he made a mention of, well, when you wake up every morning with a gun in your mouth um, and he was like, that's not funny, dude, you have guns in your house. And he's just like, I'll say whatever the fuck I want. It's my show. Right. And it's a real, it's it, listen, if you convince yeah. somebody that that's, that's on Kevin Nash and I'm not saying he doesn't have a right to joke around however he wants to, but that's on him when you have guns in the house and Part of being a responsible gun owner is you don't fuck around with guns, whether, whether you're talking to physically messing with them or metaphorically or joking around about like, oh, I'm going to wave my gun around or I'm going to take my gun to a school or you you can't say shit like that when you actually have guns and let alone say it regardless, you know, just because of what goes on in the world. But to, if you know you have guns and you know the, you know, pretty much the pillars of gun safety. Guns are not a joke. They're not a toy. They're something that you can enjoy and have fun with, go to the range with, and, you know, do whatever. It's a fun hobby. But you don't fuck around ever, especially with suicide and stuff like that. So he might be pissed off, but good on his co-host. And 
because yeah, yeah, that's not a joke, dude. That's never a fucking joke. I'm, I wake up every morning with a gun in my mouth, especially when you're going through some real shit. It's different if you said like, "Oh my god, the Rangers are lo- losing the Bruins right now, three nothing." You know, like I'm gonna go put a fucking gun in my mouth. Even that, as stupid and sarcastic and obviously joking as it would be, isn't a fucking joke. And you shouldn't say stupid stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I, you know what? I, I learned it when I was younger. Um, one day I said something to one of my sergeants. We were talking and. Uh, we had like a crappy day. I don't remember what it was. We had something to do that was miserable. And I looked at him and I was just like, and he, and he looked at me and he's like, that's not fucking funny. But he, he said it to me very so seriously. And for those who are listening, I mind putting a gun to my head, pulling the trigger and something coming out the other end. Um, and he said, Hey, that's not funny. Don't fucking joke about that. And you know what? I was young at the time and I hadn't lost anybody to suicide yet, yet. And at this point now, it's like a yearly thing, unfortunately. Um, hopefully not this year. Um, everybody has a problem. Give me, give me a fucking call. We can talk. I got nothing but time. Um, that being said, uh, one plug, one final plug before we go. I am a member of a thing called Irreverent Warriors. Um, they bring veterans together using humor and camaraderie to, pr- to promote mental health and prevent veteran suicide. Um, I do hikes with them. Uh, it's an awesome organization for veterans. If you're a veteran, look it up, look it up, uh, go out there, do a hike, meet some other veterans. It gives us a good chance to get together and be with our community again. I know when you get out of the military, it becomes like a, a situation where you could, you kind of feel like you don't belong anywhere else because you know, of, of the weirdness of being a, a, a service member. Um, but irreverent warriors is definitely an awesome organization. So a lot of, a lot of people, you know, it's, it's opened up my uh, umbrella of people that I can go to and talk to on top of my already strong support structure. My uncle is now a part, my uncle never had Facebook, but ever since we started doing these hikes with, with all these vets, my uncle has Facebook just to keep up with everybody who's like nationwide. And we're, he's planning on going to like Normandy to go do the hike over in Normandy. And he wants yeah. to go to, we're going to Kansas city this year to do the hike in Kansas city. Cause my cousin lives in Kansas city. So all of my other cousins that are on active duty, we're all going to Kansas city to do a, a hike out there in October. So like nice. a warriors. Awesome. It's called the silky hike. And everybody wears like their military booty shorts, go out there and just bring awareness to the fact that veterans struggle, but we're here for you. Look it up. Awesome thing. Again, thoughts with Kevin Nash. TJ, you got anything before we go? No, man, that's it. Um, but yeah, listen, as much fun we have and as much goofing around as we do on this podcast, that's one thing that, you know, Nick especially and uh, me myself, we're very serious about. If anybody is struggling with anything, I mean, suicide's not the answer because that's not something, you're not just taking your life, you're making, you're forcing everybody in your life to deal with, you know, the, the ability to not be able to, to help you or see you again or anything like that. You're taking away somebody else's ability to cope with, you know, the loss of you because you're a big deal to somebody. Yeah, absolutely. And you're, you're, you're taking yourself away from them. So, I mean, there's always an answer. And if you, you want, I mean, Nick's always around. I know that from the second me and him became friends. He's always available to talk. So get yourself some friends like that. I mean, shit, if you want to reach out to us on Twitter or on our podcast, we'll bullshit with you about sports or argue with you or you tell me my politics suck or the Rangers suck. I Dude, I'll bullshit with anybody. I don't care, especially when it comes to that. If you need a friend out there and you're thinking about harming yourself, that's not a joking matter. And you can wake me up in the middle of the night and I'll bullshit with you about anything. So Absolutely. But uh, 
On that sobering note, that's all we got here from the Scoreboard X podcast. It's me and TJ. We appreciate you spending this time with us, and we'll catch you again next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.